Welcome to the Christian Contrast Podcast, where we talk about how following Jesus leads us to live differently than those around us. Here with Garrett, as always, and we are joined by Gary Keith, lead pastor here at Life Bible Fellowship Church. Um, and we are going to talk about the Equality Act, yep. um, which some of you who are listening to this, you you know all about this. Some of you listening to this may have heard whispers. And for some of you, this might be brand new. Um, but we're talking about a piece of legislation that has already passed in the House and mm-hmm. is now most likely going to be before the Senate mm-hmm. um, sometime soon. It's a piece of legislation that President Biden has made a priority during his first 100 days. So we want to talk about what it is and also our response as a church and as Christians to this and then to the wider issues. So, um, Gary, maybe you can start off because you were you were part of helping us as a church think through how we start to engage with this by helping us start to get our minds around what is the Equality Act? Why is this important? Well, I was actually alerted to this Equality Act by one of our elders and suggested that we give this serious consideration uh, because of the way it will affect our Christian community. And so I did some research. And because I'd like to uh, be as accurate as I can, use some what I consider to be credible sources of uh, information. And I haven't actually read the bill, but I uh, believe that what they're addressing are accurate to what the bill is hoping to accomplish. So if you don't mind, I would like to just kind of read a couple of sentences on this bill, because I think it says it short and clear and succinct, and that would be a good way to do it. Yeah, perfect. This, this article is written uh, with the, uh, the Gospel Coalition, written by a guy named Joe Carter, and it's on their website, and he says this. He says the Equality Act would amend two landmark civil rights laws, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Fair Housing Act, and the, what it does is change the definition of sex. Instead of referring to biological men and women, the redefined word would also cover sexual orientation and gender identity for the purposes of employment, housing, public accommodations, jury service, education, and federal programs. That's pretty all-encompassing, mm-hmm. you know. He, he goes on to say, according to the bill, sexual orientation means homosexuality, heterosexuality, or bisexuality, and gender identity, which means gender-related identity. And that's determined by appearance, mannerisms, or other characteristics of an individual, regardless, regardless, keep this in mind, of the individual's sex at birth. And so that is pretty substantial. And that has the potential for having some great uh, impact on us as a church. Because another article written by the Alliance Defending Freedom notes that this legislation could be used to restrict religious freedom of churches and religious nonprofits, including religious schools, and it could set back protections for women in things like athletics, at work, and in private spaces like showers and locker rooms, and inhibit the ability of everyday Americans to live according to their beliefs. And as you put all that together, Dan, clearly— a federal law is is attempting to be passed that would literally change a, a significant part of our democracy. And it'll have long, <laughs> far-reaching effects that go with churches and religious organizations, with women's and, and their movement and their rights. But even beyond that, parental rights, it, look, it looks like it can touch just about every area. And so I felt like this was one of those situations where we as a church need to inform our church family 
and ask them to speak up. Um, and so that's what we've done so far. Yeah. And it's a challenge going through this. I mean, when, you know, when you have something called the Equality Act, it's like, <laughs> who who wants to come out against the Equality Act? It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's very, it's, it's very cleverly, you know, packaged in that because the, yeah. the idea of, you know, down with the Equality Act, we're against this. It's no fun to be on that side. Um, but like you said, I mean, first of all, the Equality Act, this is not the first time that this has come up. This has been kind of a constant bill that's come up year after year before Congress. Yeah. Um, but it did pass in the House, and it, the momentum seems to be towards this. It's unclear right now what will happen in the Senate, and, and we may delve into that a little bit more lately, uh, later. But there is just the general sense of saying, all right, for us as a church, this definitely catches our eye mm-hmm. because it, it makes us think not only of the broader issue surrounding this, surrounding gender identity and, and sexuality, um, but because we're thinking of things and saying, well, by, by the way that this bill is written, um, the idea of a pastoral candidate coming to us who says, I want to get hired by you all, and by the way, I'm gay, mm-hmm. um, previously, we would have been able to say, well, here are our beliefs, here's what we think that the Bible teaches, and so you would be not qualified for this position because of that mm-hmm. lifestyle. Yeah. Um, that would be eliminated <laughs> under this. Um in fact, one of the things that stood out to me in looking through it is that it it explicitly removes um, an act that previously was a protection for religious freedom, exactly. um, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And uh, in the language of it, it says specifically that that act shall not provide a claim concerning or a defense to a claim under this bill, um, which, which to boil it down seems to basically mean two things. It, it would mean that if our government was bringing against us uh, or was bringing to us enforcement saying you have to do this, we would not be able to point back to the um, Religious uh, Freedom Restoration Act and say, no, you can't do this. We're suing you. Mm. And if we incurred a lawsuit from somebody who was saying, I'm going to sue Life Bible Fellowship Church because they didn't hire me on the basis of my sexual orientation, we would not be able to point back to that act and say, no, 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 this is our defense. Um, That's one of the more (laughs) severe parts of it. But also, and you alluded to this, um, getting beyond just maybe the concerns that we might have for churches and religious organizations, there are broader issues. You know, talking about the the women's sports, which in probably in the more secular world has been the number one way that this issue has been brought up, the yep. idea of biological males competing in women's sports. And there's some states and areas right now where new records are being set um, in women's sports because of this. Yeah. The bathroom and locker room thing has been something for a while that's been brought up. So there are the broader societal concerns beyond just maybe the self-protection that we might feel. Um, and Garrett, kicking it over to you, as as you're taking all this in, what, what kind of springs to the front of your mind as um, either concerns for what this could mean for society or concerns for how we as a church engage in Mm -hmm. a piece of legislation like this. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you bring up, you know, the idea of being against the Equality Act, you know, (laughs) because I don't want anyone to feel discriminated against, even a non-Christian lifestyle, especially when it's not hurting anyone and it's their choice. But I think it's complicated when we're, we're taking discrimination and apply it to something that someone can choose to live a specific lifestyle or choose to identify a gender, maybe a season of life one way and a season of life in another way. Uh, I think, you know, discrimination and equality makes sense when it's, when it's discrimination against things that you can't change about yourself. And, and I, and I, I understand the heart of this law. I know that a lot of 
people in the LGBTQ community have been hurt and discriminated against uh, by lots of people in society. And so I think they're trying to to eliminate that and avoid that. But it kind of feels like just kind of shifting discrimination from people who have specific yeah. gender identities. So now people have specific beliefs about gender. And I think that's something as a church that we need to um, really speak in loving ways about what we believe and, and, and how that is an, not just God's plan, but that is been society, society uh, there being two genders has been a normal part of, of society for, for as long as people have been around. Absolutely. And, and, and we've set up systems, um, organizations, um, uh, ways that we do education, ways that we do sports with those two genders in mind. And by saying that um, gender is now a spectrum and gender can be chosen is, like you said, has a lot of implications. And to, to more specifically answer your question, I think as a church, I think the way that we respond is speaking to that belief that we have, speaking it in a loving way that, that our goal is is to not try to force someone to live a Christian lifestyle who doesn't know Christ yet. But really, in the same way that, that I think people who support this bill, uh, this is part of our belief. This is part of uh, our identity to say that we believe God made male and female and we think that's important and we think that's special and and we don't want that belief to now become something that we can legally be liable for yeah yeah and i think you know you hit on something just even broadly because i don't know who all is listening to this you know for for some of us we might feel like um implications of this or way this interacts with scripture is very very obvious to us but like you're saying, it, it might not be to the average person who's saying, what what, what in the world, why would you not be for equal rights for LGBTQ people? And and the issue is, in many ways, is saying, uh, I think there's very few churches that are against that idea. Uh, that the, I think that there's very few Christians and churches that are in favor of saying, um, yeah, we, we want to protect the employer's right for finding out somebody's gay and then firing them mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, a um, landlord's right for finding out his tenant is gay and evicting them. Um, I, I don't think that there's a lot of Christian momentum saying, yeah, we want to protect that right. Um, but there also, there, there is something when we're talking about all this, where there's the equation, uh, there's the equating of sort of the, the race issue with homosexuality, which has been going on for a while, sort of this is the new civil rights issue. And biblically, part of the way that we would respond to that is saying, you know, there's a difference between behavior and sort of just an intrinsic part of who I am. Like you're saying, you you don't have any control about the color of your skin, how tall you are, what color you're, well, I guess you can dye your hair, you know, but, <laughs> but, but there's a lot of things about ourselves that they're just things that are about ourselves. And part of the the confusion about this is that so many things related to sexuality have become couched as identity issues. Mm-hmm. And even as Christian, I mean, I, I would say this, and you know, <laughs> Gary can fire me if I'm wrong on this. <laughs> but what I would say is, if there was somebody who was applying to be a pastor here at Life Bible Fellowship Church, and what they told us is, you know what, for years I have dealt with same-sex attractions, but I believe what the Bible says about this. I've been celibate or I've sought to be like, I'm living, I'm, I'm not indulging those things. Um, that would not eliminate that candidate from consideration. We wouldn't say, oh, well, if you have an orientation towards this, there's no way. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there was somebody that was saying, this is who I am, this is how I live, that would in the same way that if somebody came and said, I'm, I've been in an adulterous affair for 16 years, 
I, I don't really do monogamy. That's just who I am. We'd say, sorry, mm-hmm. we're not going to hire you. And, and the same with the gender idea for somebody to say, no, 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 this is who I am. You're telling me to deny who I am versus saying, no, we are saying that Christ calls us all to deny. And some of that is going to be denying an instinct towards a behavior of saying, I'm not going to dress this way, or I'm going to do this surgery or whatever it might be. So there is the differentiation between those two things. But there also just is the wider idea, and I, I, I think you alluded to this, and I felt this as we've looked to to carefully address this, is just, um, it's not good, in my opinion, it's not good if we as a church respond in a way of saying, we feel threatened, so it's time for us to speak up. Mm-hmm. But instead to look at it and say, we want to do something that we believe is for the good of our neighbor, for the good of society. We also think that having some religious freedom is a good thing in society. But um, I mean, it, maybe <laughs> we can we can all touch on this. But I mean, Gary, do you have some thoughts just on the how do we look to convey our heart in this? That none of us are excited to get on a podcast and say we're against this piece of legislation or we we yep. we're critiquing this. Well, I think you you touched on it uh, briefly when you were talking about um, the temptations that all human beings face. And then as a Christian, the call to not respond to those temptations. And so you gave the example of a, a gentleman who has these desires for homosexual behavior, but he's celibate. He lives as resisting those temptations. Now, those temptations can cover any kind of life's situation, like you've talked about, uh, even heterosexual improper sex course, in that re- yeah. regard, or habits that are destructive in nature. We have, as Christians, we have the ability to submit to the choices. And so we say no to those things. So how would I, how we would approach uh, transgenderism in this situation, LBGT, is that right? Q at the end, mm-hmm. um, is that we see that these people are worthy of care. They're worthy of respect. They have been made in God's image. So let us demonstrate a care for them within the beliefs and the behaviors that are acceptable to us. I remember um, our youth pastor, uh, man, it's been probably six months ago or more. Maybe, no, it was probably even more than a year ago because it was before COVID-19. And he came to me and he said that one of his students came up to him and said, uh, I have a friend who is exploring uh, changing their sex. Um, and I don't know if they'd gone through any kind of therapy yet. And they, had, they were identifying in the opposite sex from which they were born. Are they welcome to come here? And I said, by all means. And he already agreed with me. He just wanted to check out. But he said, by all means. And so, but we said, what does that mean to us and how we live out who we are while still loving the person who is experiencing these questions about their identity sexually. So we began to say things like, well, in a detour group, maybe he's still a guy, so maybe we make sure that, ask him to to be with a guy's group as opposed to a, a female group, because that's that goes against what we believe about biological sex determines who you are. And um, I followed up with him, but with, with whether this person actually ever came. And they, they didn't. I don't know whether the, the student who goes here regularly actually invited this person or not. But I go, we have to model and demonstrate an acceptance and a love for the individual, for how who God has made. They're made in God's image. Absolutely. And so how do we do that and still live within the boundaries and the beliefs that we believe Scripture speaks to and God has set from the beginning of time for who we are as people? And I think that's where the real challenge is. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I would hope people would hear us say that 
there's these issues are, uh, we live in America where there has been religious freedom since the very beginning. And so there is some value to that for us because it allows us as a church and any religion, whether, whether it's Muslims or, mm-hmm. or uh, Baha'i faith or Buddhism, in America, we have a freedom to worship God the way we want to worship God. And this seems to be changing that freedom for us. And it, it, it kind of seems to assault our ability and everyone's ability, not just Christians, right. but other religions, to live in the religious freedom that our country has known. But it doesn't mean it changes our approach to the individual who we may have the opportunity to speak with, love, and connect with. Yeah. Is that can yeah, I answer what you were saying? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You, you have no. That's that's yeah. really good. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think it's fair to say, and I like how you brought up. You know, how do we do this in a in a caring way? I think I think it's important that we are careful with the way that we communicate um, our resistance to this bill because it's coming from a place of, of people feeling some real discrimination. And and mm-hmm. Gary, I am glad that you shared that story. And I and I that's that's a common story at LBF. But I know of other churches where the answer would be. That's probably better not that they don't come here. That's complicated. We feel a little bit threatened by that. What might that communicate to other parents and kids that come? And mm-hmm. and those people in the LGBT community have tons of stories like that. And so I think that we as Christians, even on this podcast saying that, they're going to say, here we go again. They're feeling threatened. Right. They're just trying to discriminate because they're trying to change the way, they're trying to change my, my lifestyle. And... Therefore, I'm going to have even uh, more of a negative view of church and Christianity. But I think it's so. That I think it's we take that into consideration and and speak about it in, in loving ways. And I think another thing that's important is, is even if we talk about religious freedom, I think something Gary that that you touched on, there's also a love for for women and for the separate genders, and that that we value that. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I'm passionate about women empowerment in sports and and <laughs> and and you know organizations and careers and jobs and leaderships and 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 moving in a direction like this as a society is really going to hurt that mm-hmm. imagine where you know i don't want to sound alarmist but imagine when the majority of, of a female sports team are individuals who are born male and what happened to women being able to succeed in that and now a woman is trying to break into that feels called to be uh, an athlete and yet can't get into that field or that sport because she's not good enough because she has to compete with with people who are physiologically much stronger, much mm-hmm. faster. And I think that it's moving backwards in a lot of ways when it comes to really respect and respecting women, uh, their rights to to have a safe space, a space that's that's with only with other women that they feel comfortable with. Those things are going to be not just eliminated, but made uh, illegal or, or made an opportunity that someone could sue and say, that's not right. You need to allow men who identify as women into that space. And I think that really, I think that we can say as Christians, we're trying to protect their rights and trying to make sure the society is is better as a whole, not just our religious freedom. Yeah. You you even alluded to this a moment ago in your earlier comment. It In that case, it almost feels like reverse discrimination, like mm-hmm. it's shifting now. So that woman who's now having to consider showering and being in locker rooms with with someone who's in the process of changing there. Now there's that lack of safety and that and now they're being discriminated against. I don't know if you guys agree with me on that, but it does feel a little bit like it's the discrimination area has changed. Yeah. And and that's been a lot of how how I, I think the bill has been couched by people that are wrestling through it is to say it does feel like um that there's 
that there's at least competing sort of rights or freedoms um, in that where you could say, mm -hmm. all right, whose who's freedom is being impinged on here? And mm -hmm. and the question, it, it, certainly with the way the bill is written out, people people um, who are part of religious organizations or who believe sort of the power of conscience should allow me to do certain things um, will we'll have their rights impinged on in that and trying to figure out is there a way that we can do this um, while still showing the dignity and care that we want to. I mean, yeah. I, I think of uh, we, we all... Um, are broken by this sin-stained world. And part of the yeah. odd thing, you know, and, and some people would put this on on Christians and say Christians sort of singled out, you know, homosexuality as as a, you know, sin that that was exalted as worse than others. And there certainly have been times that that's happened. But where we are right now, at least what I believe is where we are right now is that it's not primarily right now Christians that are saying homosexuality is especially egregious beyond these other things, but there's this uh, there's this identity movement in saying this is who I am. So this is not in the same category. It's not in the same category, maybe of the guy committing adultery. It's not in the same category of the person that's stealing something because this is who I am, and who I am can't be wrong. And I I, I mean just a couple of things I want to put in because again I, I don't know who's listening to this, but you know if if you're listening to this and and you're 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 either much more sympathetic to the bill or you are somebody who's gay or you are somebody who who's transgender and you are kind of feeling that like oh here we go again this is what they always <laughs> say um i do just want to say jesus came to a broken sinful world mm -hmm. um we as christians don't believe that um jesus came and there were a bunch of people who were upstanding citizens that he patted on the back, and then he found some bad people too and told them to get their act together. Yeah. Um, we believe Jesus came to an utterly broken place where we were all headed towards judgment. We were all without hope in the world, mm -hmm. and every single one of us desperately needed the redemption that Jesus brought through shedding his blood for our sins and through being raised from the dead and anticipating his return in his final kingship. So yeah. our attitude is not saying, hey, like— the gays really got to get it together. Uh, our attitude is saying we want everybody to experience that grace. Mm -hmm. And what I also want to say, and, and this is something that I believe we as Christians do, we are very countercultural in this way, is that I'd say um, if you are gay, that is not remotely core to who you are, at the core of who you are. Um, if you have same-sex attractions, that's a part of what you're dealing with in life. It may be something that you deal with your whole life. It may be something that you deal with for a season of life. There are different stories in this. But even if it is something that you deal with in your whole for your whole life, that does not define who you are. Um, I think we've actually done a disservice in our society as a whole, even how we talk about these things. We, we, have, we have these recovery programs where somebody that hasn't had a drink in 25 years says, I am an alcoholic. And it's like, well, you're, you're kind of not. Like you're you're certainly not a drunk, which is the the way that scripture would talk about as a drunkard. Yeah, I had a drink in twenty five years. Your life is not ruled by alcohol. Now you may be somebody who knows yourself well enough to know I gotta actively combat <laughs> yeah. this, and that's great. Yeah. But we sometimes do these things where we define ourselves by things that God has never intended for us mm. to see as core parts of ourselves. They're aspects of our experience, but they're not core to who we are. Um, who each of, us, each of us is a human being created in the image of God, deeply loved by God. We do believe that Scripture is pretty clear that our maleness or femaleness is pretty close to the core. It'd be like 
maybe 1A right after the idea that we're created in the image of God, because going all the way back to Genesis 1, male and female, he created them. Yep. That's pretty central. And then, you know, you're a redhead, you like sports, you're tall, <laughs> you're thin. Those things are, you know, you're black, you're white. All those things are much less. You, you look through scripture and you don't see any kind of value placed on, you know, well, if you're tall, that means this about you. Or if you're black, that means this about you. And I, I would say you also don't have something that says either um, if you're same-sex attracted or if you feel not at home in your own body, that says something really important about your identity. Say, so, no, it doesn't. It, it may say something about what's at the core of the battle that you're going to be undergoing in your life, but it doesn't define who you are. And Jesus has a much better way for you to live in the identity that God has created you for. And yeah. you're not alone in this. The Christians do not... Do not call, you know, a certain segment of the population to say, well, you guys have to deny yourself. Jesus gave a universal call mm -hmm. for us to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. And for some of us, that's going to have a big impact on the realm of our sexuality. And for others, it's going to have a big impact on a, a number of other areas yeah. on top of that or instead of that. Can I just say thank you for saying that, Dan? Mm. Because as I'm sitting here listening to you and, and just thinking about how certain people will be listening and hearing us speak, we, we've talked about it a couple of times. I have been embarrassed, discouraged, disappointed uh, over the last decade or more by the rhetoric of Christian individuals and Christian leaders and Christian churches who are harsh in their language, who are saying things that are, don't represent the God that I know, mm -hmm. who are saying things that uh, are just mean-spirited. And I can understand how a gay person or a person who's uh, got the feelings of transgenderism would, would hear this and go, well, yeah, that sounds nice now, but what? Yeah. So I, can I just say thanks? Because I think you've really framed for us well that we are all in this together. We're all people who have sinned and fallen short of God. And we thank you, Jesus, for making it possible to have that restored relationship, no matter who we are or what we're involved with. So thank you. Yeah. I, I hope people are hearing the heart of what we're trying to share today uh, on, on behalf of this. Yeah. And I, and I know, for, I mean, just going along with that, one of the reasons why I really, really don't want us to have our <laughs> rights infringed on this is because I do think, you know, you, I, I know, Gary, you got daughters, you know, I got mm -hmm. sons. Gary, you have lots of grandkids, you know, yep. of, of both genders. You know, yep. we're, we're all dealing with this. And, and so this is personal to all of us thinking, you know, I'm like, I, I want my boys to grow up in a culture where there's some sense of clarity of here's what it means to be a man. You know, I, I would presume you want your girls to grow up in, in a culture where there's some sense of here's what it means to be a woman. Here's what it means to take that on in a really healthy way. Um, we're in a culture that's basically all but like abandoned that. Mm -hmm. And the church may be one of the last places where we get to offer something different, where we get to say, we actually do. Like, there's stereotypes that we can break down, but we actually do have some guidance on God on why it's important to be a man and what it means and why it's important to be a woman and what it means. Um, that yeah. voice needs to be out there. Yeah. And we will continue to do it. <laughs> we're, we're not going to stop regardless of what the state does, but the state could end up making it much more costly for us to do this. Yeah. We already deal with scorn from some people. Yep. That's not fun, yeah. but we could end up dealing with litigation, which would be much less fun. <laughs> um, so we don't want to, but also no. I, I just wanted to say we we are not going to change our beliefs. We're not going to cave and and avoid talking about things if this does go through because 
we have to follow what God has called us to do. And, and this message is important for our culture because I don't know where else people are going to get that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We all talked out on that. Well, maybe. Yeah, probably. There's lots more to say, yeah. um, but but we did want to get this out there just because it's timely. Um, we don't know when, uh, about a week from when we're recording this is probably when we'll post this. So there may be more developments, but I just invite those of you listening, especially if you're believers, to pray along with this, um, pray for God's guidance so that uh, you're sensitive to people who are going to be tempted to hear really harsh and condemning things in this, and so mm-hmm. that you're acting like Jesus with full of grace and truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we will continue to wrestle through our role as a church in all of this. Exactly. Um, so thanks to both of you for being a part of this. Um, thanks to those of you who listened. We always appreciate engagement, so feel free to leave comments and questions and thoughts. We may revisit this later, depending on how things go. Uh, but thanks so much for taking the time to listen, and we look forward to seeing you next time.